0: Hi, I'm Charlotte and I'm Lauren, our pronouns are she, her, and this is Demythifying, the podcast where two best friends talk
1: mythology, go off on
0: tangents,
1: and hope to bring a little bit more forgotten magic to the world. Hello and welcome to our 2022 Black History Month episode. This year, we start scratching at the surface of some African myths.
0: Now, we do appreciate that we will need more than one episode to go deep into many of the African myths that we found since last year. But we did want to give you all a little bit of a taste. Each of the 54 African countries have their own history, and we have learned a lot about the myths and origin stories from a few.
1: We picked up a book of African myths and legends edited by J.K. Jackson. And in the introduction, Sola Owanibi states that myths embody the essence of a people's belief, values, attitudes, and collective subconscious, which I feel really sums up the myths we have been researching. This book has been our main inspiration and source for today's episode.
0: And we do apologise in advance for any butchering or anglicising of the names that we do. We're just taking it from print and we are trying our best.
1: For today's episode, we are talking about the Yoruban Yoruban origins story, the creation of the universe. The Yoruba people are from West Africa, mainly Nigeria, Benin, and Togo. Our research also incorporates stories from the Fon people and the Dahomey people. The first god was Nana Baluku, who in Damoni tradition gave birth to Mawu, the creator god, associated with the moon. This is because before we had the earth, we had the energy of the universe. I found a picture, which is a photo by Lisa Blacker. So we're not going to put this on our Insta because we haven't got the permissions yet, but I would urge you to go and find it because it's beautiful. It is a beautiful black woman with amazing hair. She's she's sitting cross-legged holding a snake in front of the moon. She gives me Lizzo vibes. I'm getting Lizzo vibes and I like the, you know, the lights and the, on the water and in the sky and all the stars and stuff. So I think it's, I think it's really powerful and it's really, really beautiful.
0: Mm. That's so pretty. So Maru gave birth to Oloran, right?
1: Correct. Oloran is considered the ruler of the heavens, the supreme ruler of the sky and the wisest of the gods. The most powerful goddess was Olukun, ruler of the seas and marshes. So, Olucan is highly praised for her ability to give great wealth, health, and prosperity to her followers. Both deities were said to be content within their kingdoms.
0: And I've since read that Olucan has been viewed in various forms as male, female, and androgynous.
1: I've also read that. So, next we have Abatala, who is the sky father and the creator of human bodies. It is said that one day, Abatala looked down upon the Earth and felt that it was barren, that it needed mountains, forests, to brighten it up to stop it being so dull. Abatala went to Olran and asked for his blessing to work on the Earth and provide hills, valleys. And Olaran told him that he would not help him, but he was to visit Olran's son, Oren Miller. Who's Oren Miller? So, Oren Miller was the oldest of Oleron's brood and had the power to read the future, but also understood the power of existence. Oren Miller placed 16 palm nuts on a divining tray and threw them into the air. And as they dropped to the ground, he read out their meaning.
0: So, Obatala was informed by Oron Miller that he was to find a chain of gold long enough to climb from the sky to the watery waste below, taking with him a snail shell filled with
1: sand a white hen, a black cat, and a palm seed. Abatala set about finding a goldsmith that would make the chain and asked each of the other sky gods to help provide enough gold to make it. The goldsmith didn't think it was enough to make the gold chain the correct length, but Abatala told him to do what he could and attach a hook at one end. So when it was made, the hook was fastened to the edge of the sky with the rest of the chain lowered down below. Taking his bag with instructed items, Abatala descended from the sky He eventually neared the end of the chain, but realised if he jumped from there, he would drown. Oren Miller's voice called out to him to use the snail shell that was filled with sand to pour it into the ocean. Doing as instructed, Oren Miller's voice boomed again. Now, release the hen. When the hen made contact with the sand, it started scratching and spreading the sand in different directions. The grains would form dry land wherever they fell. Large heaps became hills, and the smaller heaps became valleys. And was
0: Obatala able to jump down after that?
1: Yes, he landed with solid ground beneath his feet. And it's said that while he was proud of all of the land he created, he was most proud of the spot his feet landed first. He named this place
0: Ife. But that can't be the end of the story, though. He was told to make the gold chain. He got one made. He was told to release the hen and pour the sand, and he did. But
1: what happened to the black cat and the palm seed? Well, Obatala started digging in the ground when he landed. He placed the palm seed into the hole that he made and immediately sprung a palm tree out of it. As it grew, it is said that seeds fell around it and other trees also grew up instantly. With these trees and their leaves, he was able to make a house for himself to live in. Okay, okay.
0: But what about the cat? You still haven't answered the question.
1: All right, all right, you crazy cat lady. Abatala lived with the cat away from all of the other gods in this house that he created on Earth. So he kept the cat for company. A man's got sense.
0: So this leads me on to Obatala creating mankind. Now, it's said that he was very content living with his cat in the house that he'd made. And I can totally relate to that. However, Olurun, Olurun? I'm so sorry. Um, It was getting impatient and wanted to know how Obatala was getting on.
1: From what we've learned about the gods from any culture is that they don't like to be kept waiting. No,
0: and Olurun is no exception to this. So he sends a chameleon called Ajimo down the golden chain to essentially check up on Obatala. Ajimo pretty much tells him instantly that's why he was sent. And Obatala says, I'll look around you and you will see the land I have created, the plants I have raised from soil. Tell Olurun that it is now a far more pleasant kingdom than it was before. And Obatala goes on to say he would prefer to live the rest of his time there. But he was growing weary of the twilight and he wanted to witness brightness again. So Agamo returned to the sky and relayed his message. As Obatala had been one of Olurun's favourites and had completed what he had set out to do, Olurun granted him a reward. Fashioning a dazzling golden orb with his hands, he tossed it into the sky. For you, Obatala, I have created the sun.
1: Obatala gladly received this gift and he was happy for a time. Am I right in thinking that he grew restless and lonely?
0: So correct. He began to imagine spending time with beings who could move and speak as he did. So he began to claw at the soil, playing and shaping the soft, pliable clay into tiny versions of his own image. He laid the first out to dry in the sun and carried on making more. Working away, he grew thirsty, so he went to a palm tree. The juice he drew from the tree fermented in the heat and turned to wine. Obatala drank bowl after bowl of the wine and became increasingly more drunk. His fingers grew clumsy, but he went back to work anyway, energetically creating more and more figures, but not realising he was making mistakes. That sounds like a typical man to me.
1: So some of the mistakes that he made was to give the figures crooked backs or uneven limbs, but Obatala was pleased with the results nonetheless. He was so pleased that he raised his head to the sky and called out, I have created beings from soil, but only you, Olurun, can breathe life into them. Grant me this request so that I will always have human beings to keep me company here in Ife. We've already said
0: that Obatala was one of Olurun's favourites, so it isn't surprising that Olurun granted this request. He watched on as the clay figures rose up from the ground and started taking commands from their creator. They started to build houses next to the solitary house that stood in Ife which grew into the first Yoruba village. As Obatala watched this happen, he was filled with pride. But eventually he began to sober up. Like, how long did this take for him to sober up? How much wine did he drink? They've already built houses.
1: But if he's a god, it probably took him long to get drunk in the first place. So he probably had a lot more than an average person. He didn't just have a couple of Jager bombs and that was it. I mean, I challenge you to have a couple of Jager bombs and not be tipsy
0: or tiddly. That- if I was making these figures, it'd be crooked anyway. It wouldn't matter how much I'd have to drink. <laughs> I'm not artistic. Not in that way. So Obatala sobers up. And then he noticed some of the flaws that his his drunken mistakes had made. So he makes a pledge. As he watched those created with his errors or struggled to go about their day, he pledged that he would never drink palm wine again and that he would be the special protector of all of those born with deformities. He stayed true to his word, and he dedicated his life to the welfare of the beings that he had created.
1: Before long, the village grew into a marvellous city. Obatala presented each man with the tools they needed, a copper bush knife and a wooden hoe, so that they could clear and cultivate the land. He taught them to grow yams and crops, and they would always have enough food for their survival. After living amongst the people for a long period, the time came for Obatala to feel he had done all he could for them. He climbed back up the golden chain, retiring to his Sky home. He did make a promise to come back and visit as frequently as possible.
0: I find it quite interesting that it's a man teaching teaching them to do this. So, surely back then it was when we were more of a hunter-gatherer society. It's more, you think of it being more women. And we have a lot of women, women harvest goddesses.
1: I don't know because harvesting can be quite hard work it can be just as hard work as going out and hunting true so physically the physicality of it I mean I'm not sure yeah
0: I don't know I've never
1: harvested well I mean it doesn't look easy no that is true
0: it doesn't There is a continuation to this myth that one day I hope we get into. And I definitely went down a rabbit hole that started with Loving Colour. And what I did like was the similarities to the Greek human origin story, with men being made out of clay and having life breathed into
1: them. Now, this is a rabbit hole that I felt deep into. So my search history is full of Greek, African, and Christianity similarities. It's known that the Greeks and Africans had some contact with each other. So I'm not surprised that the myths would have had you know, some sort of crossover references. But also the nature of myth is that they tended to be orally passed on and stories would have been known to the majority of the people listening. So the book that we got this beginning myth from states, every generation brings a new emphasis, but the fundamentals remain the same, a desire to understand and describe the events and the relationships of the world. And I think that's true of all the cultures that we have kind of come across or researched so far with the migration of people and armies coming in and taking over say a village stories would have been passed on and interpreted and retold so it doesn't surprise me that stories would have been you know taken as much as they would have potentially taken treasure or loot well they definitely did not potentially they did take treasure and loot
0: i'm not here for the treasure i just want the stories
1: i don't have anything to say to that (laughs) because i'm sure i'm sure that. It would have been an evening's entertainment, but ultimately stories don't get you. Can you trade a story for food? It's a damn good story.
0: (laughs) And what's really interesting is that the forming of the human race out of clay appears in Egyptian, Sumerian, Chinese, Hindu, Ainu, and Polynesian cultures, to name a few. And there's also a part in Christian culture that in Genesis, the Lord formed a man from dust in the ground and that he breathed life into him.
1: Yeah so it's it's quite a common origin story which i find really interesting that it's crossed all these cultures and it's still at its root the same story
0: even now we say as well that like we came from dust and we kind of return to dust and the idea that people are returned to the earth
1: yeah but is that the catholicism that's probably the christian kind of influence on like death i think i don't know maybe
0: but when you die like you can be buried in in most like not if you're mummified but say in a lot of cases you tend to be buried in the earth or even if you're cremated your ashes tend to be scattered mm. it's still the idea of kind of
1: returning to the earth
0: yeah and like part of a sort of the circle of life in a way yeah so everyone thanks for hanging out with us today follow us on instagram at demythifying the podcast for more of our mythology based content and if you're liking what we're doing please rate us and subscribe also check out our website at www.demythpod.co.uk we'll see you again next time and check us out wherever you get your podcasts she's been charlotte i've been lauren and together we've been demythifying bye